0: Hello, and welcome to the Webtoon Room. I'm Will.
1: And I'm Crudy.
0: And today, we're here to do another recap of Purple Hyacinth. We've been doing a lot of these, and we're going to do yet another.
1: I'm really excited about this one. These couple of episodes, these few episodes that we're talking about today, they were juicy. Oh, super excited to get into these.
0: Let's get into it.
1: As always, with all of our recaps and most of, actually most of our episodes, we have a spoiler warning today for episode 72 to 76 of Purple Hyacinth. We will be discussing events from the episode, so if you have not read it, or if you are okay being spoiled as to what happens, keep on listening.
0: Episode 72 picks up right off the action of 71, where Kieran is pursuing Belladonna and they end up getting into a little bit of a fight.
1: They exchange blows with one another, and it's pretty clear that sparring with each other isn't really new to them.
0: Belladonna and Kieran don't just share a sparring history. They also know each other from way back. Kieran asks Belladonna, Hey, didn't know you were still. Keyword on still in the circus.
1: It's funny because he knows that she's been a part of the circus, so he does have that knowledge about her. But... He doesn't know everything. And Belladonna shares during their sparring session that she is one of the circus's founding members and that she chooses her own gigs. So it's clear that she's been with them for a while. And we see kind of later on uh, in some of the later panels that she was one of the Grey Chapel orphans that got picked up, that got, I guess you could say, recruited by that man in the hat. Not sure who this was, if it was the Viscount, but there might have been some kind of a deal that was struck. Kieran goes on to call her a little match girl. Belladonna, it seems, has always been comfortable playing with some kind of fire.
0: She's also pretty comfortable telling Kieran that of course she's doing this. It's her choice. She's doing this kind of for fun, it sounds like.
1: Yeah. Assassination is still very much her main job. She likes killing people. So, you know, good thing she found an occupation that suits her interests, I guess.
0: Hashtag life goals.
1: Yeah. Hashtag career goals. Maybe. Not quite. Don't. murder kits um (laughs) murder
0: is bad okay
1: yeah (laughs) if there's anything you take away from this podcast recap it is that murder is not good and you should not do it psa moving on though belladonna asks why kieran is there she's having fun sparring but now she's cutting to the chase
0: kieran lies a little bit he says he was interested in tim's sake and wants to know why he got offed by belladonna
1: Yeah, Kieran kind of asks the question that we're all thinking, why? You know, like, was something happening behind the scenes that we didn't know about? Was this a directive from the leader? Was it just Belladonna being spontaneous? And Belladonna shares that she got rid of Sake because he had become a nuisance, and that was part of what her job entailed, is to eliminate all of the nuisances.
0: And in the same conversation, Kieran talks a little bit about his relationship with Lauren. And he lies to Belladonna about her usefulness to him more as a cover than anything.
1: Yeah, he bluffs that he's got his own plans for Lauren. And this is the bleak bluff that this episode is titled for. He's got his own plans to get rid of her when he's done with her. And speaking of Lauren, she's on her way out of the crime scene when she gets knocked out and abducted by somebody.
0: And that's the end of chapter 72. A lot of this chapter is Belladonna and Kieran fighting.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty light chapter in terms of plot movement.
0: There are still some interesting things that happen. We do get a little bit more insight into Kieran and Belladonna's history, which I think is something a lot of people have been wondering about ever since their conversation in the Grim Goblin.
1: Yeah, we know they're old friends, but we don't really know the extent of that friendship or how deep their history runs with each other. So I think that this was actually very cool to see and get these little hints teased at us, right? And we'll get more in the coming episodes in this arc that we're discussing. But through this, we learn that Kieran knows certain things about Belladonna's background, about her youth. She knows certain things about him. It's not entirely clear how long they've known each other or how much of each other they know, like how deep their history of each other runs, but they're not strangers and they're more than just casual coworkers. The other notable thing that I took away from this episode is that this is the first time officially that we've seen that someone from the Phantom Scythe is officially told about Lauren and Kieran associating with each other. We don't know how much they may have known about this beforehand. If they keep tabs on Kieran or Lauren together or separately... But from this point onwards, we know that the Phantom Scythe is aware that Kieran and Lauren are associating with each other to some capacity.
0: And we move on to episode 73, which opens with the Ardolis Police Department showing up on the scene. They've seen the body and they're trying to suss out who did it and what happened.
1: Yeah, they recognize Sake from Lauren's case with him. And the Venom links the murder to Harvey's murder as well. But beyond that, they don't seem to have too many clues or suspects.
0: One thing of note, though, about this scene is that Lauren's name gets brought up by some of the detectives. They're not calling her out as a suspect, but they kind of just briefly mention, oh, she would have a good idea of what to make of this.
1: It's kind of a subtle reminder of what Lauren's presence is brings to the police force she is competent she is intelligent and she's always got an idea that she wants to follow up with shortly
0: after this we cut back to kieran and belladonna fighting or more at this point talking it out a little bit
1: it feels like they're playing a game of ping pong almost they're kind of volleying back and forth to each other revealing bits of information here and there trying to fish out information from the other person in the other breath it's kind of interesting. But Kieran does reveal that he's the new 11th Precinct Mole, hence his interest in sake, as well as his association with Lauren. And they kind of go a bit down memory lane thinking of past infiltration missions that they've done together.
0: Including one where Kieran got shot.
1: And that was their first mission together. It was Kieran's first impression to Belladonna. And this is where we see like a flashback to a younger Kieran and Belladonna. Kieran being shot on the ground. Bella's face is covered. And it's interesting because Belladonna seems senior to Kieran in this moment. She calls him, and you're the promising recruit. So they've definitely, as we've established, got a history together. But Kieran, I guess, was not always the slick purple hyacinth that he is today.
0: Yeah, it's been a bumpy ride for the two of them for a while, it seems, and the present day seems to be no different.
1: Kieran says Lauren is still useful to him, and he kind of tries to fish by asking if she's next on Bella's kill list, and in general asking if any of the officers are on the kill list, which I'm sure Belladonna picks up on because she neither confirms nor denies. She just says that she's not in a hurry, which could mean anything.
0: Ah, vagueness, the killer of cops. What a world. What a world.
1: It's Belladonna's world, and we are all just existing in it together.
0: (laughs) It's a mad world out there in Belladonna's world.
1: We're eventually existing until she kills us all off. It's really only a matter of time, but she's not in a hurry. It's fine. Anyway, as Kieran reveals that he's using Lorne for information because she is intimately connected to the Loon investigations at the precinct, Belladonna kind of picks up on... Some of Kieran's protectiveness or attachment to Lauren, she reveals that he's only ever killed one other person without direct orders from the leader, and so she says that Lauren must be special. Belladonna is smart. She is not an idiot.
0: She's definitely savvy enough to put two and two together, and the two and two here being her history with Kieran and what she knows about him, and she low-key threatens Kieran a little bit when they go back and forth between their fishing battle their fishing conversation
1: fishing battle <laughs> that would be that would be an interesting thing to see but you're absolutely right in that she's definitely very savvy and she's definitely in tune with and familiar with Kieran as a person and she kind of even though he is a good actor and he's good at putting on the face She can pick up on when he might be concealing something, and she tells him to make sure that Lauren doesn't charm him instead, and as you said, promises to finish her off if Kieran doesn't.
0: Belladonna definitely picks up on the protectiveness that Kieran has for Lauren, and that's why she threatens him in this way. And it's a nice reminder to us, the reader, as well as Kieran, that Belladonna is a really, really dangerous individual.
1: Absolutely. She is not to be underestimated. It also shows that Kieran and Lauren's facade that they've put up, there's a hint here that it might be slightly cracking or, you know, fading a little bit, enough that other people may be able to pick up on things. But we'll talk more about that later and we'll see what happens. The episode flashes back to the last time that Kieran was protective over someone. He's kind of having a mini flashback. We see a man's face in Kieran's eye as he gets clubbed with a bloody bat. And Kieran is sobbing as a child and he's reaching out. And then we kind of drift down to the panels that show Kieran chained to a chair. He's a little bit older, but he's still a boy going through torture. He's chained to the chair. And then we see him chained by the hands as a young man. Being whipped, and the text over it just says, I have to keep going. So, Kieran has been through some traumatic stuff. He has endured a lot, and we're slowly getting these layers peeled back from the onion that is Kieran White. It brings me to the question of belladonna revealing that kieran has only ever killed one person without direct orders is this related to the same person he was less protective over and is it related potentially i think this is more likely actually than the first to why he's allowed himself to not be touched by or feel a sense of humanity for all these years I think these are questions we're not going to get immediate answers to, but it's interesting to consider and think about as we learn more about Kieran and what he's been through.
0: He has definitely been through a lot, that's for sure. The chapter closes out by showing Lauren waking up. She's been gagged and tied to a pole, and she awakens to the lovely face of the missing driver, the person in the photograph, Abel Sandman,
1: Mr. Sandman. He is alive. And I don't know about you, Will, but to me, this was pretty obvious in retrospect, mostly just because I flash back to Harry Potter while reading about this character. It's the same kind of Peter Pettigrew theory where he cut off his hand and that was like the biggest chunk that was found of him, but he later was found alive. So this personally doesn't surprise me too much.
0: Yep. Related to the parents, check missing a finger, check was somehow involved in their death check yeah it's uh sorry by the way spoilers for Harry Potter if you haven't read it Uh what are you doing anyway
1: it's been a while but you know glad we're all here together
0: the similarities are definitely there
1: yeah Sandman has definitely been up to something and it seems like he's had a plan for a while so I'm curious to see where he's coming from and what's going to happen with him
0: Episode seventy-four rolls around, and it starts with Belladonna and Kieran concluding their fight.
1: As we mentioned in the previous episode, Belladonna warns Kieran of being so overprotective of Lauren, but she does promise to not kill Lauren right away. And she says something interesting in this section of panels that stood out to me. She says, "I can be very patient when something catches my eye," which, to me, I am taking this as confirmation that Bella's been keeping an eye on Lauren. She's no stranger to what she's been up to, and maybe that's why Belladonna isn't quite so fooled by Kieran's act.
0: Kieran does say something really interesting to Belladonna as he's leaving. It's along the lines of, you and I use knives for very different reasons. And I think it's a great line, because it shows us that Kieran has moved on a little bit, and maybe that Belladonna is stuck in her old ways it says a lot about both these characters
1: their motivations for choosing blades over guns or firearms certainly is different and i'm going to be really interested to learn more about these two and about what that difference is and which side of the spectrum each of them lie on we already have a sense that obviously belladonna is more outright bloodthirsty than kieran necessarily is and kieran makes more of an effort to keep a moral compass than she does but I'm curious to see where the nuances lay here.
0: Right after the scene, we transition over to Will, who discovers that his long-lost brother Raphael is indeed alive and now standing right in front of him.
1: It's interesting because Will is such a composed, put-together character for the most part, and this Goes back into what we've talked about with him before, constantly striving for perfection or putting up this image of perfection. But here, he is just pure emotion. He is stunned. He is shocked. And it's clear that the appearance of Raphael is really significant for him. He grew up with him. He's the one who played piano with him, maybe even taught him. And we'll have to see exactly what the nature of their relationship was and what happened to lead to this. But it's a big moment for Will, for sure.
0: Yeah, Will gets so distraught that Kim picks up on it pretty easily, and she's here listening to the entire confrontation.
1: The episode transitions back to Sandman, who offers Lauren information and a deal. He will give Lauren information about her parents, because she has so many questions. Why is Sandman alive? What happened to her parents? What is going on, basically, in exchange for a certain picture, Anslow's picture? Sandman wants to turn himself in and bring down as much of the phantom scythe as possible before he goes. Kind of the concept of, if I'm going to go down, I'm going to take down as many people with me. And that's the kind of approach that he's taking. And it's interesting because everything that we see from Sandman so far, it's all the truth. None of it is a lie. So Lauren knows that he's being sincere with whatever he's expressing. And it seems so far that his motivations to take down the Phantom scythe kind of work in tandem with Lauren's. Sandman
0: also pulls out a photograph of Lauren and Kieran together and basically says to her, hey, I know you're working with the purple eyes and that you're loon.
1: It's a pretty big bomb to drop because he's the only person so far other than Lorne and Kieran themselves that has explicitly associated the two of them to Loon and also the first external person to associate Kieran to the Purple Hyacinth.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating. How does he know who the Purple Hyacinth is? That is Information I don't think ordinary Phantom Scythe members have access to. Or if they do, how do they manage to keep it a secret? That is a question we'll have to keep asking.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be curious to know the answers to these questions too. Side note, I don't know if it's just me, but I kind of think that photo of Lorne and Kieran that Sandman took at Grey Chapel is going to come back to bite them in the ass. Like, There's a photo out there linking the two of them. They're in kind of a weird neighborhood, and I have no idea whose hands this photo might drop into. I mean, this is just trope 101. We don't know what's going to happen, and I'm a little, oh, I'm on edge.
0: It's definitely a little bit tense because of how damning that
1: picture could be. Oh, I know. Can you imagine? I guess we'll just have to see what happens with these reveals. The other big thing that I took away from this episode is the Raphael connection. We've obviously gotten confirmation that Raphael is Will's older brother and confirmation as well that he is Apollo. He is the quote-unquote blind pianist that we saw earlier with the other circus members. He has a circus tattoo, the common circus tattoo of the tent on his wrist, which I'm taking to mean that he was also likely a founding member of the circus. Because if we remember when Belladonna was chatting, quote unquote, with Kieran during their sparring session, she mentioned that she was a founding member. And in that panel, it focused on the tattoo on her body of that circus. So I'm wondering if that's what that means. In which case, it makes me wonder, because a lot of the founding members of this circus, they originated from the Grey Chapel slums. That's where they came from. We saw in the flashback with Belladonna as the little match girl and the Viscount or somebody, we don't know who, came up to her to offer his hand as a deal. Why would Raphael, who grew up in this affluent family and obviously has a different background, why would he be part of the Grey Chapel orphan gang? And is he connected, like Belladonna is, to the Phantom Scythe? These are just some of the questions that I'm starting to ask as we start to learn more about Raphael. And I'm very curious to see how Raphael is connected, because I think he is much more deeply connected than just as Will's brother.
0: It's interesting, for sure, because the next episode, episode 75, opens with Will confronting Raphael, and we get more details as the readers, but we have more questions.
1: We learn that Raphael first left 10 years ago, so lining up the Grey Chapel orphans 15 years ago with 10 years ago, there's some gap in there. We'll see what happens, but that's when Raphael left, and there was no explanation. He only left a letter behind when he ran away will in present day is feeling so many emotions he's demanding an explanation but Raphael can only say that he's sorry
0: this entire scene raises a lot of questions for us but also for kim who's still eavesdropping on this entire thing
1: she is and you can see that in addition to the questions she also feels a lot of compassion for will in that moment we can see it in her eyes and i know this is going to come up between the two of them later
0: yeah, Kim cares too much to let this one pass her.
1: She does. In the meantime, Sandman is proposing a deal to Lauren. Information on Lauren's parents and the Phantom Scythe, as well as how he survived, and basically anything else that he can provide to support her quest, in exchange for Ansel's photograph, one that he's going to use to turn himself in to the authorities as proof that he was involved in the Allendale train bombing. And just to make sure that Lauren is cooperative, he kind of holds the photo of Lauren and Kieran as Loon over her head, basically insinuating that the photo will get leaked to her superiors if she does not comply.
0: Which is interesting because Lauren didn't exactly need this convincing because she does want to know all of the information that Sandman has. She does want to know what happened to her parents. Both of their wants really do line up.
1: They absolutely do. I guess this was just kind of his way to have some sort of insurance just in case her mistrust of him outweighed her desire for the truth. But in any case, Sandman and Lauren exchange more information about the Allendale bombings when she promises that she'll get the photo for him. Lauren ends up asking why he's alive, first of all. How did that happen because he's presumed dead? And he explains that the Phantom Scythe had ordered him to kill Lauren's parents. And he doesn't know who the leader is, but this was something that he needed to do. Which, of course, just leads Lauren to more questions about why her parents were targeted. Why did the leader want to kill them?
0: And from the print shop episode, we knew that Lauren's parents were a part of an organization called Snapdragon. And it turns out that Phantom Scythe came from Snapdragon. They were the same organization at some point.
1: Yes, This peaceful group that called for reform evolved out of necessity almost into the Phantom Scythe. Allendale was a declaration. It was a demonstration of force that the Phantom Scythe, this group of people, were not to be trifled with. And we learn that the leader was one of the Snapdragon survivors. There was a massacre and the leader survived and the few others who did became his first apostles.
0: Including Lauren's parents.
1: Dun, 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 dun. I don't know. Who else expected this? I actually didn't see this coming. What about you, Will?
0: I did not either.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What do you think? What's your reaction to this? Because this was a pretty big bomb that Sandman dropped on Lauren. Lauren, by the way, she she is shook, I think is the most accurate way to describe how she's feeling right now.
0: She is very shaken and shooketh by this information, as was I. Uh, this was a big bomb to drop.
1: But it does make sense with everything that has been lined up. It's really cool because it sets Lauren up to accept a truth that kind of goes against everything she's believed till that point. About her parents, about the Phantom Scythe. Ugh, it's interesting.
0: Yeah. She's going to have to reconcile that one later, and it's not going to be easy.
1: It is not. And I think the other questions that this also sets up, beyond just Lauren's dealing with all this and wrapping her brain around this reveal, is what exactly happened to catalyze the Snapdragon shift to the Phantom Scythe? It's a fundamental shift that they made from a peaceful philosophy to one that embraced Demonstrations of force, of violence. How was the royalty involved in this? Because we know that the queen was involved with the fate of the Snapdragon. What happened there? How much does Dakon know? These are all the questions that are coming up for me with this reveal. And speaking of questions, Lauren has a lot when episode 76 opens as she's wrestling with the information that she's just been given about her parents being two of the leader's apostles in the Phantom Scythe. Sandman here
0: reveals more about his role in Phantom Scythe and about his orders to kill Lauren's parents. It's also revealed that her parents knew their death was coming and that the leader didn't want them around anymore. And it seems like that they just walked into it willingly.
1: I think to me it makes sense because from their perspective, they seem to... A, reconcile that their position was inevitable, the inevitability of their death, but I think more importantly, they were very determined to do whatever they could to protect Lauren, and that was their main goal, and if their death prevented more scrutiny against Lauren, I don't know what this may have been, but I imagine they would have taken measures to protect her. I think that was a powerful motivator, and I can see that resulting in the choices they made
0: all of this information by the way is definitely still a shock to lauren but sandman kind of pushes on and starts to talk a little bit more about his own motivations to work with lauren here
1: yeah lauren is still reeling through all of this and she's trying to understand why sandman is doing all of this why come to her now and he wants to help lauren it's pretty clear that he's had regrets for a while. I think this has been stewing in him for a while. He regrets what happened to Lauren's parents, that he made her an orphan, as well as all of the bad, you know, and all of the misery that he's inflicted on other families, on other kids. But even more than that, I think Sandman recognizes that something big is about to happen, and he is afraid that whatever comes next is worse than anything that they've seen before that the phantom scythe has gone too far with their message and their violence. And this man has been in the organization for some time. He's been doing its dirty work for a long period of time, and he wants to make at least one thing right. As we said, this was kind of coming on for a while. These feelings were dormant, but something happened to him a few weeks ago that changed all of that, that catalyzed this effort to reach out to Lauren, to do everything he could to take down people from the Phantom Scythe before he got taken down.
0: Which is especially important because no one leaves Phantom Scythe alive.
1: And he knows this. As Sandman is heading out and giving Lauren instructions on how to contact him, or rather how he'll contact her, Lauren asks him one last question. What happened to the missing children, the ones that were in the car with him and Robin Delaney? He doesn't know, and she asks him one last one. Did he know any of the children in that car?
0: He answers no, but that is the only lie he's told to Lauren this entire time.
1: We see that red text. So many questions off of that.
0: We weren't kidding when we said juicy cliffhangers.
1: What did you think of this episode, Will? What do you take away from Sandman's discussions with Lauren and all of the new information that we got?
0: Lauren is going to have a lot to process, kind of like the beginning of the season, where she had to process a lot of what happened back in Season 1. But here, Lauren is going to have to wrestle with a lot. A lot of her assumptions about Phantom Scythe and about her parents just kind of got ruined, I would say. They're completely different from her own expectations. I don't know what she was expecting, but we can tell, we know, she knows that this information she got from Sandman was not what she was expecting.
1: I think it's cool. well, not cool for Lauren, but it is interesting because it brings up these questions of morality and Lauren wrestling with her parents morality was pretty big. She was asking herself, did they condone the Allendale station bombing? And it's important to her to understand and know how I guess far her parents, were willing to go for their message and how far gone they were. We can see from the flashback that Lauren's parents didn't seem to buy into the violence of the Phantom Scythe, but they did join nevertheless. It just kind of leads me to wonder was their motive perhaps to not be eliminated by the leader? Or did they not anticipate the Phantom Scythe becoming as violent as it ended up becoming? It's hard to say, but they knew the consequences of what was going to happen, that no one survives the Phantom Scythe, they kind of had an inkling that that was going to be the case.
0: Kurti, what are your takeaways for this chapter?
1: A lot of it is the processing with Lauren and the revelation with her parents that Sandman has been dropping, along with that cliffhanger that we'll get into later. But there were a couple of smaller points that stood out to me as well. One of them being, Lauren's parents referring to the leader as a hymn. That narrows down some of the speculations that have been going around regarding the leader's identity. We have a gender, so it may not be Lady A unless there's some deception involved. We'll see. The other one being that line that says, No one leaves the Phantom Scythe alive. Foreshadowing anyone, I think everyone reading the episode cringed when they read this line because we know what that might mean for a certain assassin.
0: Yeah, and Lauren got a fortune told earlier, remember? What card came up? Of course it's death. And a betrayal. Hmm, these two things seem to line up really well with phantom sights, don't they?
1: It's all coming together. <laughs> uh, good callback, by the way. I had I had honestly forgotten about the fortune telling, so yeah, it definitely does line up really nicely. What are your closing thoughts for this group of chapters, Will, and where do you think we're headed?
0: There were a lot of points of interest in these chapters. Obviously, the conversation between Lauren and Sandman takes center stage. There was a lot, and I mean a lot, of plot details and bits of intrigue that were set up here that I'm sure we're going to revisit in later chapters. Also, we can't forget that Belladonna and Kieran's relationship is deeper and more interesting than we originally thought. There was a lot we didn't know about it beforehand, and we still have more questions, but we did get a couple of answers on that front.
1: What questions do you want to see answered regarding their relationship in the coming episodes, or in the coming arc, I should say?
0: I want to know more about their history, in particular their early history. There's a lot we still don't know about growing up in Great Chapel and what that means and this all ties into the question of the children that are disappearing in Great Chapel and the missing children that Sandman lied about too. So, if this is all tied together, then oh boy, we're in for something very interesting.
1: Ugh, you brought up a great point. And in just how these two things are tied together, it really does feel like we're lining up all of these pieces to converge into just a big conflict.
0: Yeah, big conflict indeed. Kurti, what did you make of these chapters?
1: There is a lot of moving pieces. As you said, we have the potential partnership with Sandman coming up, which, We'll have to see if that actually comes to fruition, because I'm going to be honest, I know that they plan to meet two weeks hence. I don't know if that meeting will actually happen. I have no idea if Sandman is actually going to be alive at that point, or if he is going to be killed off, and that is going to be kind of another dead end that Lorne is going to have to deal with. I have no idea. We've also got the Raphael question, his connection is obviously deeper than just Will's brother, which we kind of talked about before. I'm curious to see how that's going to converge in with the larger mystery. I'm also very curious as to what's going to happen with Kieran and Lauren's partnership now. It's coming more and more out in the open. First, they outed themselves as quote-unquote dating in the police precinct, and now Kieran has acknowledged a connection with her to Belladonna openly so their relationship is coming under more and more scrutiny and the other part of this is that now that we have knowledge that lauren's parents were former apostles lauren we already know was being watched because of her involvement with sake and all of these things we know that the phantom scythe is aware of her but this puts a whole new spin on how much they know about lauren and how long they've been keeping track of her She may have been under scrutiny from the very first episode, even before that. But who knows how much fandom Scythe knows about Lauren and how much they know about Kieran and Lauren. So I'm very interested to see what is going to happen with their relationship and when things are basically going to start cracking open.
0: Yeah, they've got her eye on her. And if Sandman knows this information, who else does? Why did Sandman lie? What was the point of lying there? And also, does he know that Lauren can detect lies? It's not actually clear.
1: It's not. He seems to know her pretty well. Obviously, he's calling her Wren. He is kind of an old family acquaintance. But yeah, what is up with that lie? I'm not sure exactly what it means because it could just mean that he knows one of the kids, and it doesn't necessarily mean that the kid is someone that Lauren also knows. It could be a kid that only he knows, but obviously that wouldn't be interesting to the story, right? But he also doesn't know what happened to them, so it's kind of interesting to think about.
0: Is one of these kids Raphael? The Allendale train bombing was 10 years ago. He's been missing for 10 years. Hmm.
1: Questions. (laughs) Stroke's beard contemplatively. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a really good connection. I honestly didn't think of Raphael potentially being one of these kids. It would make sense if he got dragged into the circus through the Phantom Scythe. We know that they have connections through Belladonna, probably more, so I don't know. Another thing that got me thinking in general about everything that Sandman said, we know that he wasn't lying. And that was the one lie he told. But I did wonder it's possible that Sandman could believe everything he's saying, so it sounds like the truth. It doesn't necessarily mean everything actually is true. And this is a larger point, which comes down to everyone else in the webtoon as well. Lauren, I think we forget sometimes the limitations of her ability is that the person speaking those words needs to believe that what they're saying is true. Does not mean that it is the objective truth. So that's a caveat that we always have to keep in mind when it comes to how we consume the story. But it is really curious. I think we have just as many questions as we did before, even though we did get some new answers. So I'm very curious to see what happens in this next arc. We're cutting into something deeper here now.
0: We're definitely, definitely getting into deep territory here. Thank you very much for listening to our Purple Hyacinth recap episode. As always, we do love doing these, we love Purple Hyacinth, and we're here for all of the twists and turns that are to come.
1: It has honestly been so much fun to recap this season as it's been continuing to digest in real time all of the revelations and all of the new twists as Will was saying. So this has been really cool to talk about and to sit down and analyze and go and deep dive with you guys.
0: We have a lot of fun talking about it between the two of us, and we would love to talk about it more with you, as some of you guys already have on social media
1: yeah if you have any theories as to what's about to happen will and i love to talk about this stuff so feel free to dm us on twitter or on instagram we're at the webtoon room on both places and we post some cool interesting fun stuff there too so feel free to check us out we'd love to have you if you want to reach out to us over email that's at the Room at gmail.com as well thank you all so much for listening to this episode we're so grateful to have you here if this is your first one or to have you back if you've been here before
0: Thank you guys, as always, and
1: we'll see you next week for a new episode. Bye-bye now.